What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome to another segment of Meninge Trois. I'm your hostess, Keeks, and I would like to welcome you to my podcast. What is up, you guys? Thank you guys for tuning in and coming to get these spiritual vibrations for your mental stimulation. If you are a faithful listener of this podcast, I would like to thank you for your support. Thank you for tuning in and for listening. If you are a newcomer, I still want to thank you for coming and tuning in. Don't know what brought you here, but hey, I'm happy to have you. So with all that being said, you know, all the housekeeping stuff out the way. Let's go ahead and get right into it. This is an episode of the religion and spirituality series so with this particular episode you guys can look forward to me talking about buddha buddha the prophet of the buddhist religion so without any further ado let's just go ahead and get into it um i guess just since i don't have any core questions for this episode i can let you guys know what i'll be talking about specifically when it comes to this episode i'll be talking about where buddha was born his lifestyle, well, not his life, well, yes, his lifestyle, his upbringing, um, and pretty much his journey into becoming Buddha. So let's go ahead and get right into it. So for those of you who do not know, as I just said, Buddha is the prophet of the Buddhist religion. Now, with most, one thing about most religions is that most religions do have what we would call a prophet. And a prophet is pretty much a very significant person within a religion and these people receive a lot of praise and a lot of recognition because they have overcome a very a very tough sometimes strenuous challenge and it's not just a physical challenge it's a it's more so of a spiritual challenge and it's something that cannot be overcome by I'm not gonna say it cannot be it's not common for the average person to overcome these things because you know as us being human we um we're we're juggling a lot of a lot of things at one time so when it comes to prophets they are highly praised highly favored because of their ability to overcome these great challenges that we encounter as human beings and they receive a lot of recognition because they um also teach people things about how to overcome some of the challenges that we face and experience as human beings so yes buddha the prophet of the buddhist religion So I'm actually not going to refer to him as Buddha. I'm going to refer to him as Siddhartha because his name is actually Siddhartha Gautama. Siddhartha Gautama was born, is documented to be born between the 4th and 7th century in northern India, um, specifically near the Himalayan mountains. The area that he was born in is now referred to as Lumbini, and that's pretty much modern day nepal so for those of us who are not familiar with our geography just go ahead you know do a quick google search looking up nepal you know what i'm saying and you will go ahead and see where it is i actually wouldn't call it northern well they did say northern india not southern asia but um if you're not sure where india is india is on the southern border of asia um and nepal is literally right on top of india so Yeah, he was born in Southern Asia, Northern India. Hope I didn't confuse anybody, but I feel like I did. But it's okay. We're going to do Google search anyways, right? Okay, so Siddhartha's father, his father's name was 
Okay, y'all, bear with me. His father's name was Sudodana Gautama, and his mother's name was Maya Gautama. Now, one thing about Siddhartha was that he came from a very rich family. Um, his father was the chief of the Shakaya clan. So because he came, because Siddhartha became, came from a very rich family, he really didn't have to want for anything. You know, he had very nice clothes and maids and um, he was involved in a lot of sports and he was being taught by the best teachers and he went to the best schools and everything like that. So he had a very luxurious lifestyle and he was shielded from the outside world. When now, when I saw this and when I was reading about this I literally imagined like this wall that was kind of built you know just trying to separate him from the outside world but I don't believe it was really much like that if anything it was kind of just like an invisible barrier you know um one thing I can say about India and just pretty much surrounding areas of that vicinity is that the caste system is very popular now you guys won't hear me talk too much about the caste system in this episode because that's something I hear a lot, um, specifically with the Hindu religion. But I did see it kind of um, tread in the waters of this topic a little bit. So I'm going to talk about it a little bit, but not in too much detail. So the caste system is pretty much a social hierarchy that exists in... Um, modern india and various countries surrounding that area and it pretty much it pretty much um uh gives people a social status now this social status that you have your birth into it and the way it works is that by you being birthed into this social status you're birthed into it based on your past life experiences so if you did some really shitty stuff in your past life you're going to be born into the lowest caste which is known as i think it's the dalits don't quote me on that you guys but yeah um but if you're if you did really great things then you're going to be born into the highest caste um which brahmins actually it isn't the highest caste i believe there's one more above that one don't quote me on that either so i said you know i'm gonna talk about it a little bit because i haven't done thoroughly done all the research just yet but um basically Siddhartha belonged to one of the one of the highest castes um of his area and because of that he was able to have this very luxurious lifestyle you know where he didn't really have to want or need for anything and he was taught by the best teachers so there is no documentation of what age he got married but he did get married to a young lady by the name of Yasodara and they had one son and they named him Rahula now let's say at the age of 29 maybe 30 Siddhartha I'm just gonna say he was having a very rough day probably a very rough week rough month he was going through some things and he was like hey I, I need a break um, but mentally, you know, he pretty much was just realizing that he had a lot going on. He was experiencing this spiritual void and he noticed that no matter what was going on around him in a sense of having everything that he could possibly want, you know, and having a very luxurious lifestyle, any kind of food, the most expensive food, um, the most expensive clothes and, you know, whatever, I guess, 
forms of transportation they utilized at that time. You know, pretty much just wanting anything, getting anything that he could possibly want and being able to have that privilege but still feeling like just just feeling empty. So in having this realization, he left home to seek spiritual liberation and enlightenment. So that's kind of like the, the broad statement of it all. But within that, he basically left home for the day, decided to go for a walk. And by going on this walk, he left his his town of Lumbini. Um, and... And leaving his town, he basically was able to see things that he didn't really see because he lived a very luxurious lifestyle. So, you know, one thing, another thing about the caste system is that they're very segregated. If you belong to one of the lowest castes, you are going to be far removed from people belonging to the upper caste. So by him being belonging to the upper caste, he really didn't see people um belonging to the lower caste. If he did see them, they would be doing the dirty work, which that's what they call it. But again, you guys hear me talk about that in another series, uh miniature series at least. So basically Siddhartha go on his walk and he encounters three people. A sick man, an old man, and a dead body. Now, in seeing those three things, it sent a shock through his body because he kind of realized, well, damn, that's one day going to be me. And I would just say it gave him a reality check because he realized, you know, no matter how luxurious my life is and no matter how many things I can get and obtain, at the end of the day, none of these things can keep me from aging, from death. Or from becoming ill. I mean, granted, you know, he probably could have medicine and things like that. But the point that he was getting at was that at the end of the day, none of these things can fulfill this, this suffering that I'm experiencing. Like, I, I, I can have anything I want, but I'm still going to fill this void. So, again, it was a reality check and... In that moment, he realized that he wants to find inner peace within himself. So he returned home later on that day and he left his family again unannounced without saying anything. This time, before he left his family, he changed his clothes, he changed his hair, pretty much changed his appearance so he wouldn't look like he didn't belong. Um... Again, because, you know, if you are part of the higher caste, you really weren't supposed to associate with people that belong to a lower caste. So he just wanted to eliminate all things that will attract or draw any attention to him and showing others that, you know, he belonged to a higher caste. So on him leaving again, he ventured outside of his town of Lumbini and he ran into a group of men who dropped out of the Indian society, which pretty much was or not was, but it is the the hierarchical system that the hierarchical social system that operates within India the caste system pretty much so he encountered these men who pretty who were trying to break away from that and just get away from it and they found um 
that they all were looking for something similar, spiritual enlightenment, spiritual spiritual fulfillment and inner peace. So these men, you know, birds of the same feather flocked together. They were going around town and they encountered these two teachers. Now, these two teachers are mentioned a lot in um, doing research on Siddhartha. So I found I thought that they would be very important to mention because he learned a lot from these two very significant teachers. The first teacher, his name is Arada Kalama. From this teacher, Siddhartha learned how to meditate. And from this meditation practice, he learned how to discipline his mind and uh, how to discipline his mind and to navigate, not navigate, to know how to enter the sphere of nothingness. And what that pretty much means is freeing your body from the bonds of flesh. So I'm going to dive into this for a little minute. So y'all get ready to ride the wave. You know how us being spiritual and physical beings, we have different desires, you know, and with us being emotional as well, you know, we have all of these different cravings and wishful thinkings and things like that. So when you enter the sphere of nothingness, it's pretty much trying to free yourself from these fleshy desires that you get. Now, that could be lust, that could be hunger, that could be... um what else is there? Uh, any any form of physical pleasure, basically. So, after learning these things from Arata Kalama, Siddhartha became equally skilled as him. And Kalama actually asked Siddhartha to stay with him and to help him mentor his other students so they too can learn how to meditate and everything like that. Siddhartha said no and I think he said no because I'm not going to say he didn't want the responsibility but you know he obviously came to him on a mission seeking this inner peace this spiritual fulfillment and he didn't find that there and he didn't want to spend his life dedicated to doing just that you know he was he came with the purpose he knew what he came to do so he just said no I'm good And in saying no, Siddhartha realized that he still had not yet found the solution to ending suffering. So the next educator or teacher that Siddhartha encountered and learned a lot from was Udraka Ramaputra. I hope I'm saying that right. Udraka Ramaputra. And from this teacher, Siddhartha learned how to enter the concentration of the mind. And this is known as because this was this was kind of confusing to me because I felt like, OK, well, then what's meditation? But the notes I have on the concentration of the mind is getting into this state of trance known as neither perception nor non-perception, which paraphrase that is a condition of pure awareness devoid of any perceptual experience yes i pulled that from an article because y'all know i do not talk like that but basically um this form of concentration that siddhartha learned from ramaputra was a very it was a more intense form of concentration and it's almost like a very um 
I would say it's a heightened form of meditation because, you know, there there are different forms of meditation. But this particular meditation, it was. I really don't know how to explain it, you guys. A condition of pure awareness devoid of any perceptual experience. Almost like just like being fully aware of yourself. Like you just so in tune. You just so right there focused. I wish I could explain it better. But I really. It's like I can feel it. I can understand it. But trying to explain it is like really, really tough. But I hope y'all get I hope y'all get me. I hope y'all following. So similar. You know. uh, Siddhartha pretty much had the same experience with Ramaputra. You know. Uh, Ramaputra asked him to stay and Siddhartha was like no you know I came here on a mission and I still have not yet fulfilled my mission so Siddhartha was very upset because you know obviously he came here looking for something and he hasn't gotten it yet and it was just getting very very frustrating Um, but he still continued his journey even though he left his educators or his teachers so after leaving his teachers, Siddhartha then beca- decided to become an ascetic. For those of you who do not know what an ascetic is, an ascetic is a person who practices very a person who practices severe self-discipline. They abstain from all physical pleasures, whether that's sex, um, eating, any form of indulgence they abstain from doing all of those and engaging in all of those for typically for a religious reason so when ooh excuse me so when Siddhartha became an ascetic um I actually saw something that said I don't know why I chuckled like that I read something that said he ate a grain of rice a day and he did a lot of meditation and he did that for six years um, just still going over that now is just mind blowing because you guys know how small one grain of rice is. I would be mad as hell if I ate one grain of rice at that point. You might as well not even. I'm just going on a tangent. I'm going to shut up now. Um, But he did that for six years. He ate one grain of rice and he had a lot of meditation and in doing that. He would also hold his breath for a long time until he felt violent pain in his ears and his whole body. And he would faint. So one thing about ascetics, you guys, is that they do things to the extreme like that. And they they don't engage in any form of indulgence. And they if. They keep it to a bare minimum, if barely doing it at all. So what he was doing was very, you know, some may call it extreme, you know, because he wasn't, he was barely eating. Um, He was doing a lot of meditation. He was torturing his body, you know, by not breathing properly. And it's actually documented that he became very ill from doing all of this. You know, he looked very sick. His his eyes were um very dark and you could see his bones um and his ribs and he just became very very sick. So after those 6 years, he decided to abandon asceticism. And once he decided to abandon ascetic- asceticism, the guys who were following him 
pretty pretty much decided to abandon him because they didn't like that he was abandoning a set of set which I think is kind of messed up, but I'm not, yeah. Um, so by him abandoning asceticism, he walked around the village asking for food and yeah, he went around the village asking for food. Um, and again, his followers didn't like this because they felt like, okay, well, if you're an ascetic, you're not supposed to be doing this. And it was one of those things where it's like, okay, well, you're not supposed to be eating, um, and I'm not going to say that ascetics don't eat at all. If they do eat, they just keep it to a bare minimum. But it was that, it was what, it was the fact that he was eating, the amount that he was eating, and how he was going about it. The fact that he was going around asking people to feed him. I think that was something else that they kind of was like, yeah, we're not supposed to do this kind of a thing. If anything, they seek ways to uh, get it for themselves. So... After getting some energy, Siddhartha came across this Bodhi tree. And this Bodhi tree is said to have belonged to a wealthy woman's house. And the wealthy woman's name is Sanani. Didn't have a last name, just her first name, Sanani. I like that name. It's very pretty. So Siddhartha began meditating under her Bodhi tree. And when Sanani saw him, she thought he was the, um, what was it? Some type of God, because I guess like Siddhartha was glowing. So when she saw him, she thought he was some type of God. So she came out and she brought him rice and milk and he ate it. He ate the rice and he had the milk and he, um, went back to his meditating. And once he went back to his meditating, this is when Siddhartha is recorded to have reached enlightenment. And I have this quote from this article I'm going to share with you guys. It reads, as his vision became even clearer, he saw the so-called soul of man, which man claims as his own, broken up into parts and laid before him like the unwoven threads of a garment. He saw the cause of the chain of existence ignorance the ignorant person who clings to things that are worthless and transient creates in him or herself more and more dangerous illusions but when desire dies illusions end and ignorance vanishes like the night then the sun of enlightenment shines end quote i'm scratching my head right now y'all can't see me um I want to go so much more into that, but I'm just going to keep going through my notes and then we'll go ahead and double back. So after reaching enlightenment, because I know I remember reading about this story so many times in school about how Siddhartha reached enlightenment. And for me, it was confusing. I'm like, okay, he meditated under a tree and he became enlightened. Like how? What are the details of this? Like, how do you reach enlightenment? I don't understand. And I feel like this quote was very, it was the best description I've come across in seeing how it happened. Because um, for me, it was kind of detailed in helping you understand, okay, how did he get there mentally? And it's one of those things where it's like you really have to let go of the physical of the physical attachments that you have. And it's not even just about physical attachments. Really, it's about worry. And I feel like we hear this message a lot about worrying about things and, um, you know, stress and 
fear and anxiety and and um anger and sadness and pretty much all these things that can weigh you down all these emotions that you feel and these desires that you feel lust um I'm not sure if hunger is a form of suffering. I mean, I guess in a sense, hunger would be seen as a form of suffering because suffering is pretty much anything that I don't want to say anything that doesn't bring you pleasure because, you know, obviously sex brings you pleasure and um, sex. Well, not sex, but lust and being horny would be seen as a form of suffering so pretty much suffering in Siddhartha's narrative is pretty much anything that cannot anything that link that leaves you longing for something more you want you use you, you're seeking to be filled by something you just have this void and because you feel this void, you're turning to all these other things to try to fill you up, whether that's food, if it's gambling, if it's drugs, if it's drinking, if it's sex, if it's uh, shoplifting, if it's murder, if it's if it's um, uh, damn it, retail therapy, you know, going shopping all the time. If it's what are the things that are keeping you from being happy and I feel like that sounds so cliche but it's really that simple um well actually it's not that simple because it's not that easy to get but you know um it really is that simple you know and sometimes it's not always the physical things that keep us back from reaching happiness you know we're holding on to all of this baggage and I would say suffering is pretty much synonymous to this baggage that we have that is keeping us from being fulfilled spiritually fulfilled all right so after reaching this enlightenment um siddhartha continued to have seven weeks of meditation and with every week within every week he meditated under different trees and um i would even mention that he was tempted during his meditation because I know I came across this one article that said that um he was meditating under one tree and these three young ladies came up to him and they were dancing very provocative on him um but his concentration never broke and he just kept he just kept on meditating and from all this meditation all this intense meditation Siddhartha and reach enlightenment and gain his true happiness so after this he returned to it doesn't say if he returned back to his hometown of Lumbini but he returned to the area where he uh the area where his friends were and he pretty much told them of his experiences and actually read um another article that was saying that when he returned to his friends they were very standoffish to him because you know he had abandoned asceticism and um, he wasn't living the ways that they felt he should have been living. You know, they pretty much had a cook, a cookie cutter shape as to how things were to be done. But when Siddhartha approached them, there was just something about his aura that was just so alluring. And I guess it was the same vibrancy that, um, Sanani saw when he was meditating under the Bodhi tree. But when they saw him, you know, they gave him a robe and they washed his feet and they were willing to listen to him rather than being standoffish. And Siddhartha was pretty much telling them, yeah, you guys, I can tell you guys um, how to achieve this enlightenment if you're willing to listen. And they were willing to listen. 
And for the first time, Siddhartha had taught the Four Noble Truths and how to practice what is called the Eightfold Path and pretty much telling them how to get on the road of freedom and letting go of their suffering and reaching enlightenment. And that's pretty much how Siddhartha Gautama got the name Buddha because Buddha, when you translate it, and I couldn't find, um, like, you know how every word has um, some type of geographical history to it or some type of cultural history to it? I couldn't find, like, the the translation for what well, I found out what Buddha means, but I couldn't find the the definition in its raw form, if you guys know what I mean. But when you translate Buddha, it means the awakened one. So Buddha became Buddha because when he became enlightened, he was the first person within that time frame or that century or during that time to have become awakened. So that's how he that's how he got that name. And then also by him spreading the teachings and teaching other people and just having a mass following, he became highly recognized and a lot of people um, sought his teachings. And not only, it's not one of those things where it's like, oh, just because, you know, he was popular, that kind of a thing, or just because he uh, he came from a wealthy family, um, which I do believe that those are contributing factors to it. You know, the fact that he did come up, he did come from a wealthy family, the fact that he was born into a higher caste, and then also the fact that he did become enlightened. But in doing my research, I also read that in him, by him becoming enlightened, he was able to teach um, some of the teachings from the Buddhist religion in a way that no one has ever taught it before. And he was able to kind of connect the dots in a way that no one was ever able to do as well. So that's another reason why um, I believe he gained a very high following. But that's pretty much where I'm going to leave the story of Buddha. Because I, as I mentioned before, I just wanted this episode to focus on him and his history and how he got his name and how he became Buddha. So, yeah, pretty much going to leave that right there. So for the next episode, you guys can look forward to me talking about the Buddhist religion um, by specifically looking at its history and, you know, looking at where it originated and how it kind of um, gained its how it got spread throughout time. But yep, we're just going to go ahead and leave that right there. I'd like to thank you guys for listening and for tuning in, coming to get these spiritual vibrations for your mental stimulation. Make sure you guys find and follow me on all of my social media accounts at Meninjaytwai. You guys can find and follow me on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Facebook at Meninjaytwai. Also, make sure you guys share this information with your family and your friends. Maybe you guys know of someone who is a Buddhist, um, or maybe, you know, someone who is seeking a religious, uh, I really don't know how to explain it, but someone who is, maybe they're on a religious journey, not a religious journey. Maybe they're on a spiritual journey and they're, uh, seeking to learn from different religions. And if you want to share this information with them, go ahead and do that. Bless somebody today. But that's all I have for you guys. I hope you have a beautiful and amazing week and make sure y'all tune in for the next episode.